0: Hey guys, welcome back to not just another sports podcast. I am here with a fan favorite, a previous co-host of the show, Price Carter, now at Arrowhead Live or Arrowhead Pride. Excuse me. How have you been, man?
1: I'm great. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that you could mess up Arrowhead Live and Arrowhead Pride. They're so different, completely different entities. <laughs> could not be confused for one another at all times. But yeah, man. I mean, I I would say at this point, I'm I'm a super fan of the podcast, right? And I mean, super fans, yeah. right? Like, I mean. Hot topic, right? It feels like I mean it's literally been since September that we talked. The last time me and you like recorded a podcast together was uh right after the Cardinals game. Um we talked about that before the Chargers game. And um, you know, a lot has happened, but the last three days in the Chiefs Kingdom has uh felt like a lifetime. We've got, you know, super fans robbing banks, we've got punter drama, we've got Colin Saunders, um, like staying homesick to argue with Chiefs fans on Twitter. It's just It's really been just exactly what you'd expect from this collection of fans.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I we didn't prepare for this at all going into this podcast. But I want to ask you: Do you think Tyron Matthew has affected this team's mentality in speaking out on players and things like that? Because I feel like we've had more of those incidents happen in the past twelve months than we have in my entire fandom as a Chiefs fan. Like there have been so many instances of. Anthony Hitchens speaking out, Tyron Matthew, uh, even Charvarius Ward making some chirps, Ky- Kendall Fuller now over at the Washington Commanders. Like there have been so many people coming out and talking trash about Chiefs fans and, you know, just people in general. You think Tyron Matthew has been a part of that?
1: Well, I think I think a couple of things. First off, I think I'm I'm trying to think I don't really remember a whole lot of current Chiefs being like vocal on twitter this year um obviously justin reed was vocal on twitter not against chiefs fans um against you know one of the best wide receiver cores in the nfl that worked out great for him but i don't really remember a whole lot of current chiefs players being that way but what i will say is like you brought up a lot of players obviously anthony hitchens and um tyron matthew last year anthony anthony hitchens currently plays for his couch So um, the analysis there was kind of spot on. Like he's not signed anywhere, not a practice squad, not nobody. Um, He's done, which is fine. Hey, you know, he had a better NFL career than me. So, you know, go off Tyron Matthew. You know, I think it's definitely possible that he's influenced people to be a bit more vocal. But also I'll say, look at where a lot of those players went that you mentioned after playing here. I, I think the Saints have a strong fan base. Obviously, New Orleans is, you know, a very passionate sports city. But also, I will say, it's a city that's got a lot to offer besides Saints football. And I don't know if you've noticed how the Saints are going lately, but that fan base is not very engaged after the first couple weeks. Then you talk about Kendall Fuller going to Washington. Um, The most, you know, notable thing about that franchise is how much everyone hates their owner. I just think, like, when you talk about Chiefs fans, right, it's a small market. But I think if you take all of, you know, for the cliche, Chiefs Kingdom into account, it's a very large fan base. Whenever you consider like it kind of loops in both sides of Missouri, there's quite a few Chiefs fans in Omaha, shout out TikTok, or not Omaha, uh, Oklahoma, shout out TikTok star James Straws is coming to Arrowhead for the Broncos game, um, going to be awesome. But like Chiefs Kingdom is it's a very large entity, and the Chiefs have been good for a long time, and the future is very bright. Fans are engaged. Um, So I think part of why players act like that is because the fan base is very active, right? Like people hated Patriots fans for a long time. When was the last time you got a Twitter beef with a Patriots fan lately? It doesn't happen very much anymore because they all know they suck.
0: So I don't know. I yeah, think it's, I it's think been real quiet after that that Raiders game. Yeah, that that kind of shut them all up. Someone for someone said that they thought
1: they they brought up the point. They're like, wait, wait, wait. wait. Chandler Jones used to be on the Patriots. Jacoby Myers is on the Patriots. Maybe, just maybe, this is a a case of mistaken identity. And Jacoby Myers was thinking back to when he played with Chandler Jones and said, oh, there's Chandler. I'm going to throw him the ball. But it turns out those two players were never on the same roster in New England.
0: But, well, I'd yeah. say that that's far fetched for a number of reasons. But yes, if you if you'd I, like I, to bring they in...
1: were being um, facetious. Their their tongues yes, were planted firmly yes. in their cheeks. <laughs> but either way, yeah. Um, but yeah, just I mean, kind of going back to the whole point. I don't know, man. Like Colin Saunders, you're having a pretty good year. Um, it's your first pretty good year, so maybe maybe set this one out. You're supposed to be homesick, um, but oh well. You know, this is this is what it is. If you know you're Colin Saunders, you're a third round pick. You're probably making good like living money but you're not making bank or anything like that i would just no. be quiet try no. to try to get a decent deal somewhere and then you can pop off now if you're uh you know tyron matthew is like a pro bowl level all pro potentially hall of fame level player at some point in your career um i would simply get off the twitter app and go enjoy the millions of dollars and beautiful family you have but you know arguing with people with 15 followers something that i've tried to excommunicate for my life so Maybe one day, he will. Although I think he might have deleted his Twitter. This point might be moot, actually.
0: I actually don't know. That's I I, I wouldn't.
1: Surprisingly, I am blocked by him. I know that this may come (laughs) as as a as a shock to you.
0: How did you manage that? I
1: I don't tweet at players. Like I've never done that. Like tweet at them. But he name searches. You know, like I'm pretty sure the one that did me in was like whenever the Chiefs drafted a whole bunch of just like really physical players in the draft. I tweeted, the Chiefs drafted players the way Tyron Matthew talks. Um, <laughs> so that I think that one was ultimately what did me in. But hey, he, he wasn't on the Chiefs anymore, so it was a free game. Well, that's a,
0: that's a good joke. And speaking of being blocked by players, I wasn't necessarily blocked by a player over this past couple of weeks. Did you see my article that I wrote uh, with Chris Jones? whether or not we should trade them because that seems to be a very hot topic in chiefs. Kingdom. Yeah,
1: Thank you. Thank you for taking those arrows for me. Um,
0: yeah. It's you're welcome. It's,
1: it's something I consider about and I did tweet about it and got some hate for it, but um, I appreciate you being the sacrificial lamb that time.
0: I got dogpiled on pretty hard. If I'm being honest, um, there were definitely, I read through all the tweets. So if you sent me a nasty message, I absolutely read it. It hit me right in the heart, direct hit. Um, but Chris Jones followed me and then unfollowed me very quickly after the article went live for about three hours. So I think that we might have another name searching defensive player for the Chiefs on the roster. And we know that Colin Saunders does now, too. So that's where I'm going with this thing. Tyron Matthew, I think, has has kind of, I don't know, been a voice for the voiceless, if, if that makes any sense. Not necessarily that they don't have a voice, but they've been so quiet for so long. Last person to really speak out against the Chiefs was maybe Eric Berry. And you could, you know, kind of get in the gray area with that because he really just said he didn't like to play football anymore. Or Steven Nelson, maybe. That's a, that's another old one. But yeah, kind of piggybacking on what you said earlier, though, I think that another reason why these Chiefs players could be feeling so attacked and and more willing to speak out is because of the influence Patrick Mahomes has had on this younger generation. Now, I don't know if you've met a young person recently, uh, but they're dumber than you remember them being, okay? I'm not saying that all young kids are, are idiots, but there seems to be like a tweet first, think later mentality. And I think that because Patrick Mahomes has been so influential and created a bunch of brand new Chiefs fans around the world and around the United States in particular, that these players are receiving more and more hate than they've ever gotten before. Now, you could play really well for an awful defense when Bob Sutton was here. Nobody would have batted an eye. Now, we've got Super Bowl aspirations, and, you know, we've been winning our division for, what is it, seven straight seasons in a row? So, I think there's, like, a little bit more room for these players to kind of get after some people or feel like they're being more attacked and have to be more defensive anyway.
1: Yeah, I I think you're probably right. Um, You know, I think... The pressure, that kind of goes back to the engaged fan base type of thing. You know, no one cares if you miss a tackle, if you're on the Carolina Panthers. Right now, it matters a lot with the Chiefs. And also, I would just say, you know, I think look no further than the Pat McAfee show this week. Um, Chiefs Twitter probably has its own culture that might be different than other ones. I mean, not that I follow another fan base like I follow the Chiefs fan base. But it seems to be like other fan bases have their thing right now, you know, and we live in the Midwest, Um, you know, we don't have a lot going for us as a city as far as like, oh, we don't have beautiful scenery or great weather or those type of things. It's a fan base that for the besides the last five years has been mostly filled with heartache. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's reasonable to say we're probably not the happiest bunch of people to ever exist. We also, you know, don't jump through tables or whatever. But every fan base has their quirk, right? Like to and on, you know, that whole thing. He was the leading vote getter for the Pro Bowl and he didn't even make it in, which is kind of funny. But, um, you know, so I I would say that that's probably just a quirk.
0: Don't diss our city, though. Okay, we have fountains and barbecue. Yeah, yeah, we do do
1: have. We do have fountains. You cannot cannot deny the fountains. Lots of fountains. (laughs) So, I mean, hey, like, I think just talking about it in general, um, kind of kind of looking a little bit more big picture. I I definitely wanted to come back on and talk to you just kind of some of the things that we set out on this podcast about this year. It's kind of fun now that we haven't talked in so long to kind of talk about how those things played out this year and how we think things are going to play out. You know, I think one of the big things that me and you talked about were we both believed in the Tyreek Hill trade and that it was a good step in the right direction for this franchise. And, you know, we recorded on that night and said like, I, you know, I said the phrase, this is the most optimistic I've been about the chiefs front office in a long time. And I I do still believe that. I do think that a lot of things, good things have come of that. And I think the chiefs are in a very good position, but I also have a lot of concern going forward with the chiefs, but just kind of want to ask you, even though I'm the guest on this, like, what are your impressions of the chiefs right now? And what are your impressions of them going forward?
0: See, I love that you're returning to form here as the host of the show, because it's been a little rocky.
1: It's muscle memory, baby. Exactly, it's, just, it's just muscle memory. I,
0: I know, dude. I love it. We're getting right back in sync. We like, we never left. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, what what was your question? I was just completely just kind of baffled like big, by your just, yeah, just return big, to form.
1: Yeah, just like big picture. Like, what do you think of how the team has come around from where we talked in the pre you know in the preseason about where this team was, what their goals were? You know, obviously, there's a lot to talk about. You're, you know, you're talking about 13, 14 games worth, but just kind of big picture. What do you think of how the Chiefs' season has gone as a whole?
0: You know what? I think this all goes back to one pivotal moment in the offseason. And I think that you could hinge our expectations all upon that one moment, and that was the Tyree kill trade. Now, some of us, in fact, I would dare to say the majority of Chiefs' kingdom has moved on, especially since we're, like, first in yards per game, first in points per game, uh, number one in DVOA. Like, our offense is just absolutely running on all cylinders even with all the injuries, but it seems like there was that moment where the Tyreek Hill trade went down and again, props to you for seeing that maybe a few weeks before um, where we kind of went, okay, this is a soft reset. Our expectations aren't necessarily incredibly high, but we still expect for this team to compete, right? We don't think that they're going to be last in their division or even lose the division. Like some others, Colin Cowherd, Skip Bayless. Um, But we were kind of banking on those players that we got in the draft, taking a little bit longer to mature and not necessarily making an impact immediately in their first, first season, especially in the first half of the season. Now, even though McDuffie went down with some injuries and Carl has been a little slow to get to form. I know he has a million pressures, but I don't really care about pressures. I want to see sacks. It's all about production. Um, We've seen our rookie class, like I mean, outperform some of the veterans. There have been multiple times where I've seen Brian Cook play better than Juan Thornhill. There have been times where I've seen Trent McDuffie be absolutely locked down better than Sneed. And we've seen him come in on blitzes and do things that Sneed, even though he's incredible at, sometimes McDuffie comes in and and does a little bit better than him. So you've got these players that we've got brought in. That are playing better than our veterans, and I think that that has somehow elevated our ceiling. I mean, we've always had a Super Bowl aspiration and Super Bowl ceiling for this team, but I still think that there's part of this team that just has something it maybe didn't have last year when Tyron Matthew was on the roster, or we we were starting some other people at the defensive end position, Melvin Ingram, guys like that. So. I think that this Tyree kill trade has really transformed this roster in a positive way. And I think that we have become much better as a team for it. Are are you kind of on the same track as me or.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go a little bit less than you. Um, Here's the thing. I think the Tyree kill trade, the reason why it mattered is because it's not a this year thing, right? It's not Madden or fantasy where you get Tyree kill. We get um, Brian cook. Trent McDuffie, et cetera. It was much more than that. This is, you know, future Chiefs teams are going to benefit from the Tyree kill trade as well and cap space and picks, et cetera. Um, I think just kind of going back to the big overall picture, I think the most important question that has been answered by the Chiefs this year and the one that needed to be answered is can Patrick Mahomes elevate players? We thought this was true, but it it was hard to tell with Terry kill, right? And we, we kind of forget a little bit, too, of where this offense was when it was its full thing. We were talking younger, healthier Sammy Watkins. We are talking prime Kareem Hunt, prime Travis Kelsey, prime Tyree Kill, and then two very good tackles. Most of that has gone away now. You know, we're relying on an, a UDF or, uh, you know, uh, a veteran running back that's a journeyman and a seventh round player, um, you know, an undrafted. Andrew Wiley at tackle. A lot of people don't think a lot of Marquez Valdez Scantling, and I mean, they're you, you know you said it like they're the most efficient offense in the league. That's the most important question that they've answered because that gives you a lot of knowledge going forward about what you can do, and that that was the last step for Patrick Mahomes to take. You know, he's doing all this, and obviously, we, I'm going to assume that you're probably pretty pro. Mahomes MVP. It's obvious that they've answered that question, and and that's a huge thing to answer that question. Now, on the flip side, I this sounds really weird considering where the team is and everything right now, but I actually think a lot of things have not gone the thing gone the way the Chiefs way here going forward, and I I still think it's going to be a really tough path. I think they're a good, not a great team right now. I think they've definitely got some flaws that need to be worked out. The defense is, you know, kind of key there. I think one of the big things that's really stuck out to me about the defense right now is drafting the young players and the players you brought along. I do think that there's reasons to be optimistic about all of them, mainly being their rookies and still have time to develop. But I think one concern is, is some of the players you were banking on being good last year and the year before aren't taking the next step. I don't think the Chiefs are getting out of Nick Bolton, what they had hoped for or what they got out of him last year. I don't think the Chiefs are getting out of Willie Gay, what they wanted to get out of him and what they've got out of him in previous years. Um, You know, and and those were two players that you were kind of building that defense around. Um, Obviously, Juan Thornhill has probably played his his way out of Kansas City. And you don't know what you have in Brian Cook. The Justin Reed signing at at best is a, a C. You know, he's providing play. I don't think he's been as bad as we want to say he is but he's also has a way of kind of not making an impact on the game positive or negative. Um, So, yeah, I, I mean, just think like big picture roster construction, they've answered some questions, but they kind of came away with some more questions. And at this point, you know, I've been a Spags apologist, but I definitely think there are some things that are holding them back with Spags. I'm not necessarily calling for a change at this time, but I definitely think there's enough smoke for there to be a fire there to say like, Hey, Is this the guy who is this guy getting the most out of the players on the field?
0: Well, and I think there's a big that's like the big question right about the defense. Do we have the talent there? Are our players playing up to the level that we need them to play for them to actually be a middling defense? I know we're asking a lot there. Can you be a top 20 defense in the league? But is the talent there on the roster? What do you think about that? Because I would dare to say that we've kind of been lacking. I know that we invested a first, two first-round picks on the defense this past year. Other than that, it's been running backs. It's been, uh, let's see, tackles. It's been you well, know, other things that we've uh, needed on the offensive here's, side.
1: Here's what I would say, and I, I think this, you know, we're not going to I, – we didn't come on here to talk about big Brett Veach topics today, but I think, I think one thing that Brett Veach is desperately missing is he's missing a couple of home runs, right? Like, I think he's had a lot of singles and doubles – but he's not had a home run. He's not had a Max Crosby. He's like a third-round player that just becomes like an all-pro level. Lejarius Snead is close, and I would say that that is probably one of his best picks. But this defense, outside of Chris Jones, which a um, guy that I work with out of Arrowhead Pride put together a really good kind of compilation of the number of snaps that Chris Jones has played, he's played no joke probably a third more of the snaps than he's ever played in Kansas City this year it was something crazy for a defensive lineman like 82% before the Houston yeah. game um yep. they're asking a lot of him and he is their their true superstar and he's had a fantastic season but um you know i just going back to the question is it the chicken or the egg is it the talent or this is it the scheme my concern is you've got one of the positions that is the best invested in on this defense is linebackers that were drafted for the Spagnola system. These aren't old Bob Sutton guys anymore. You've got three day two picks on this roster. Leo Chanel, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton. And then in the Texans game, a point when they are visibly bleeding from the worst offense in the NFL. A team that I'm not entirely sure is trying to win football games. And we've got Darius Blanking Harris running around out there. What is going on there? That is a spot where I was like, is this coaching or is this roster management? Because there's investment here. There's two freak athlete linebackers, Leo Chanel and Willie Gay on the field. And then there's Nick Bolton, who, you know, whatever your religion is on Nick Bolton, believe it. But it it just makes no sense to me that we're here and Darius Harris is taking snaps. It it, kind of goes back to the Ben Neiman thing. So, yeah, I I think there is definitely a lack of talent there, especially whenever you consider Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson are not players that most NFL rosters would feel comfortable depending on. Now we are, and they're doing fine, but yeah, I, I think that there's definitely room and that's why I'm still like dipping my toe into the Spagnola is a problem water because I would like to see it with more talent. You know, someone ran a Twitter poll that said, which would you take the 49ers defense coached by Steve Spagnolo or the chiefs defense con- uh, coached by D'Amico Ryans, who is the 49ers defensive coordinator. That's not even close. I would take Spags with the with 49ers defense all day, every day. Because every yes. every defensive coordinator looks amazing when you have that defensive front who is full of dogs and you can get pressure with four. And the and then you've got Hafunga in the safety and, you know, Shaveri Sport, who was a Spags guy. I mean, come on. And Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner could cover the entire middle of the field on their own. Like, that's a dream come true. The problem Did is... You see- is
0: before before I don't I don't want to interrupt you, but you saw the results of that poll. It was like fifty-seven forty-three, like a dog fight all the way to the yeah. end. So there there are people that truly believe that Spags is so bad that not even the Niners roster could fix the defense, which I again absurd. Go ahead.
1: Well, I just you know this kind of goes back. I was just referencing the, the Texans game. I think part of the problem is is that I think the Chiefs might be and I I. Honestly, I think this I'm not trying to be a blind homer here. I also think the Chiefs might be the only team in the NFL that can can like efficiently sandbag like the Chiefs just do it, man. You see it in their snap counts. Um, Eric Eager has tracked like the motion, the amount of motion that you use in players like the Chiefs just wholeheartedly sandbag and they go out there and try to throw their helmets on the field and try to win these games and it almost cost them against the Texans and it you know has almost cost them several games this year and it did cost them in Indianapolis the point is, is that I think some of these things look a little bit better if the Chiefs don't just throw their hats on the field, you know, and this, we all looked at this part of the schedule and there was a time there kind of, um, or after the Titans game that I thought, okay, McDuffie's back, they're healthy. They've got to play, you know, the Bengals, but then it's time to fatten up on some of these defense, these bad offenses. The Chiefs could realistically be a top 10 defense at the end of the year. And they just have this big letdown. And I, I don't know if it's a mentality again, a coaching type of thing. But yeah, it, it's frustrating because it feels like they have the capability of producing more. And that's, that's the best day and the worst trait about the Chiefs right now. You feel like you could put them on the field with any team. You saw this team house the healthy 49ers. That, that was not a fluke, right? That was Jimmy G who by all accounts is their best quarterback, even though shout out to future Hall of Famer, Brock Purdy. They had Christian McCaffrey. They had, um, you know, Debo, they had Ayuk, Bosa all Trent Williams all of them were on the field for that game and the Chiefs ran him out of the building. People are leaving in the fourth quarter of that game. Well, the best games the Chiefs have played this year. And then you can also put them on the field with anybody and make Russell Wilson have the best game he's had all year.
0: Yeah. I'll disagree with you on the Jimmy G thing. I think Brock Purdy is probably a little bit better than he is. But I understand your point. Let, the team
1: let's wait what? to see let's wait to see like Three, you know, there is the relief. Like, so I know you're not a baseball guy, but sometimes this happens where, like, oh, the, the starter got hurt. They're going to call this guy from AAA and he's going to start. And the starter throws seven innings of one run ball. And everyone's like, oh my God, this guy's 28 and he's in AAA and he comes out and just dominated the Yankees. How is this possible? And then he goes out and does it again. Like, is this guy a future Cy young candidate? And then you look down in two months and he's back in AAA and he has a 12 ERA team. There is a little bit of like, the change up the league hasn't got a chance to see what they're doing with him yet let's let's you know jimmy g is an established guy he's taken the team to super bowl he was doing well before they were super bowl contenders with jimmy g let's let's let the cream settle a little bit on brock purdy before we start creaming ourselves about brock purdy
0: well here's the thing very well put by the way um here's the thing is that i don't i mean everybody loves the backup quarterback right he's the most popular guy on the field that never gets to play there's always that guy we'll throw Chad Henney in there and we'll see what he could do. I mean, he went on that stretch and, you know, beat all these people. He beat the Browns in the playoffs after Mahomes got hurt. It's like, yeah, I understand that. But the playbook completely changed when we saw him get on the field. There's clearly no drop-off in the playbook whenever Brock Purdy gets on the field. In fact, they start throwing the ball down the field more. I saw a stat the other day that said, like, with Jimmy Garoppolo in there and with Brock Purdy, The difference was about 7% in deep balls thrown. Now, that's not a monstrous change. But if you saw Chad Henney come in here and throw more deep balls than Patrick Mahomes did, you would think, oh, well, they're, you know, the scheme changed on defense or whatever. No, these people are playing defense the same. The difference is Brock Purdy can actually throw the ball down the field. Now, I don't want to get too much into the weeds with my love for Brock Purdy, but... I completely agree with what you're saying. This team has the capability to go in and beat a team with a top two, maybe one defense in the league and an over above average offense. The issue is, is that they always play down to their opponents every single week. I guarantee I, I would almost put money on, we lose the next time we play the Broncos. And that's not because I don't think we're better or that. I don't think that we're worse than the Broncos. I think that, Again, you're coming out, you've got these guys who are uninterested or, I don't know, not really paying attention to playing these horrible teams. And they're just, you can only take so many hits on the chin before you get upset, before you hit the pavement. That's that's just the way this team has played in years past as well. I think they, we we have seen a little bit of that um, losing to those inferior teams. We lost to the Colts again uh, a few years ago as well on our Super Bowl run. I think that there's that element of this team where if we do that for a team like the Bengals or the Bills, who we've both lost to in the regular season, there's n- we have no shot. I think that you come out flat; those teams will steamroll you. There's there's no cha- if if that happens against the Bengals or the Bills in the playoffs, I doubt we can get there because I don't think we have the talent necessary on defense to be able to stop a team three or four times. Uh, especially down the stretch. Now, Mahomes, I have no problem with. But you you get into these late-game, late-season dogfights where it's nip and tuck the whole game. You have to have somebody other than Chris Jones to be able to make a play. And again, who has Veach drafted that's been a home run? I saw the three best players, the only three players remaining on this team that weren't drafted by Veach are Patrick Mahomes, which, again – you could say Veach had a hand in that. I won't give him full credit. Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey. The three best players on our team were, are the only three guys left from the, uh, what I can't remember our old GM's John Dorsey. name. Yeah, John Dorsey. John Dorsey yeah, I mean, amazing evaluator of talent, by the way. No, yeah. He does not get enough credit for that.
1: Oh yeah, completely. And I mean, look, there, there's reasons why he's not here, but I you're you're kind of, Um, knocking on the door of what I described as like the thing that is my big concern for the Chiefs. And this isn't even just a a this year thing, right? Like one thing that I think is really important for people who want to become fans of a team, it's more than this season. It's more than this game, right? Like we're thinking about, I'm you know, I'm sitting here watching, um, you know, Titans Chargers thinking about how it impacts the Chiefs playoff odds. And I'm sitting here thinking about you know, oh, I'm happy that the Broncos won this game because it, it it worsens their draft spot or whatever. You know, like always thinking kind of big picture. When you're looking at the Chiefs this year and kind of going on, you're bringing up a very good point that their margin of error is just not there. And Patrick Mahomes has been excellent this year. And he was excellent in Houston. And no game illustrated this better than that game where he was literally damn near perfect. And it almost didn't matter. Because the margin for error has closed with this team, and back when they had better players on offense and defense, um, that margin for error was bigger and allowed them to play three bad quarters in the Super Bowl and then come alive in the fourth quarter and win.
0: Yeah, and um, well, we had we had stars, we had playmakers. There are yeah. there's one star I would dare to say on the defense, and that's Chris Jones. You Correct. cannot depend on one person to turn a game around if you have to. And
1: um you know just kind of talking about how bleak i don't i don't want to use the term bleak but how tough the future is ahead for the chiefs i mean you want to if if i were going to pick one thing that is like the worst news for the chiefs other than just like you know straight up like a star player gets injured or something like that something very very serious the worst thing that could have happened for the chiefs has happened this year um there there's been some like little pieces of good news but i think long term a lot of the things that we were worried about kind of came true. Um, first off, like Justin Herbert has kind of proven that he he is a very good quarterback and he's backing up what he's done the last couple of seasons. Slight good news. I think Brandon Staley is going to do enough to stay there. So like um, Sean Payton's not going to end up there. So that's slightly good news. But the Chargers are kind of riding the the ship a little bit. And I know there's still three games left and they may wet the bed here. But the Chargers are kind of proving like – they're working some of these things out. Um, the, you know, you've got obviously the Raiders have been a a bad, not not a great situation, but there's a lot of really good offensive talent there. And I and I think that both these you can copy and paste these statements for both teams, the Raiders and the Broncos. The Broncos are gonna go get a new head coach. That's very obvious. I don't think you're gonna get a worse season out of Russell Wilson than what you got this year, right? And they're they're bottom feeders right now. But I do think that they're the only way is up for the Broncos. So, like, they're going to be better next year. I do firmly believe that. I know that they don't have a ton of picks, but they do still have – they did get a first from Miami, and I think that they are going to go and find someone who that who can acknowledge, like, hey, Russell Wilson is a problem. We need a Russell Wilson offense. Give us a Russell Wilson offense. You look across the ASC. Can you pick it? Whatever that is. You know, we're not sure. But Deshaun Watson, he's not looked great, but I think he will come back looking better next year. Lamar Jackson is still Lamar Jackson. He still does Lamar Jackson things, which is win a shit ton of regular season games and then fizzle out in the playoffs.
0: And get injured. Yeah. Don't forget Joe about that. Burrow
1: has proven to be, like we were very skeptical of Joe Burrow on this podcast. He has backed it up and like I'm I'm fully in. Like he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He is an elite quarterback and they have a very young offense full of stars. Um, that whole division is full of, besides, can you pick it? Good to great quarterbacks. Josh Allen, again, you know, a, a very elite quarterback, a good roster. Tua Tagovailoa, what the Dolphins are doing. I don't think that they're, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that they're world beaters. And I don't think Tua's a world breeder, but also, like, I don't want to, f- I don't want to face that team. That's not a team that you want to face. And these are all teams that can come in as the seven seed to Arrowhead, right? And not, this isn't just a this year thing. This is a next year thing. And the year after that, like, you don't want to see that team come into Arrowhead as a seventh seed. You can absolutely – this is not the 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 version of the Pittsburgh Steelers that came in here last year, right? Um, the Jets feel a quarterback away. That's a very good roster. The Patriots, um, you know, that's, that's some bleak outlook there for the Patriots. The Titans, they're donezo. They're a long ways away. Trevor Lawrence looks like he is really turning a quarter. They have a fantastic head coach there that everyone laughed at them for signing Christian Kirk, me included, by the way. Um, Christian Kirk, 11th in yards in the league and 10th in touchdowns in the league currently. And oh, by the way, they're getting Calvin Ridley next year. That There's a bright future there. Um, and then, yes, the Colts and Texans. But I mean, guys, that's like over half of the AFC that have good quarterbacks, good rosters, good coaches, and a good outlook. That is really tough for the Chiefs. And like, I know that most of that's... Like, the Chiefs can't play defense in the draft. They can't stop the, you know, the the Bengals from drafting Joe Burrow. But that that is such tough outlook for the Chiefs just long term, and it, it it's both good and bad, right? Like it shows how good what the Chiefs did this year is, but it also just goes to show like they accomplished a lot this year, and they've got so much farther to go because. The sledding is only going to get harder and I'm just freaking waiting for like the Colts next year to bottom out and get Caleb Williams who just looks like a star in the making from USC and I know we've said that about other quarterbacks their pre draft year, but man like the AFC is just stupid at quarterback.
0: Well yeah and we're in an unfortunate time for the Mahomes era this is not Tom Brady's peak, where you know you're going up against the bills who hadn't been to a playoff game since before I was born or the Dolphins, who have always been a dumpster fire, or the Jets, or the Chiefs, or the chart. Like, this is not Tom Brady's AFC. This is Patrick Mahomes' brand-new quarterback AFC where every team has a legit chance of making the playoffs other than the AFC South, any of those teams. But you have... I, I completely understand and agree with what you're saying. The, the only issue is, is I think that they are incredibly poised for this upcoming offseason. I think that all of the dominoes have fallen in a positive way, as far as our evaluation of talent goes, as far as people we have to pay and people who we can cut. Like there, there are some Frank Clark truthers out there. If they would like to call themselves that, that believe he has had an incredible season this year. He's been middling. He's been a good run defender. You've got other players like Orlando Brown Jr. You with him, I don't think that there's another year that he could play as bad as he's playing right now. We're going to be locking him up for probably a four or five-year contract if we end up keeping him. That could also be a sign-and-trade situation. So these pivotal positions that we really need to evaluate, who's talented, who can we afford to pay, what what will our next offseason look like in free agency? And I think that we have definitive answers on every single one of the players we set out to evaluate. And I think that is what's going to keep this team above average, and keep that Super Bowl window open. I understand that the Dolphins look really good, and you probably don't want to play them. I'm not scared of Tua. You look at teams like the Browns or the Ravens or the Titans, Jags, Colts, Texans. None of those teams scare me. There's really only two or three teams where you look at and you go, man, Josh Allen in Buffalo? We We got to play him in Buffalo? I don't like our odds going into that. Okay, well, we got to face the Bengals in Cincinnati on the in the road, on the road, on the playoffs. I don't like that. Or we got to face the Chargers, a team that's always given us us fits. Those are the three teams that I think that we go into this uh, upcoming playoffs and really believe. You know, they they could really give us a, you know, some trouble. But other than that, I, I don't like the future of the Dolphins I don't like the future of the Raiders or the Broncos the only reason the Broncos could get any better is because they've gotten so bad that that is the only possible thing that could happen to them the Ascension is the only thing in the future for the Broncos because they are at the floor they are at the absolute floor of what an NFL team can be this year and what with Russell Wilson as a quarterback
1: yeah but, and I, I mean so so here's the thing going back to the thing that i think the biggest concern is for the chiefs as far as the off season goes and i know we're talking off season whenever there's like still games to be played here but we're all big picture here right now the, the 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 biggest needs that the chiefs have are at positions that they are not going to have access to be able to get to no matter how much cap space they have which is still going to be a lot for the chiefs but not like the most in the nfl or even close to the i NFL. i
0: disagree I disagree.
1: So you're telling me that there's just a ton of ed- great edge rushers, left tackles, wide receivers and cornerbacks that just come on the market or that just come on the market. Because I'm here to tell you, go look at the wide receiver class for this year. It is dog shit. Like we're talking Macol Hardman is going to be the cream of the crop for wide receivers at the position. What well, juju,
0: is- you mean?
1: Yeah. Okay. That, but that tells you, But <laughs> okay. that tells you people <clears throat> clown the Chiefs for the wide receiver core all offseason and now two of the chiefs wide receivers are going to be the top of the top of the of the crop. It's a very down class. Now here's the thing. I will say I think that the chiefs can address one of these needs in the draft either by and I know that you wrote a piece about this and I don't want to do the I don't want to do the whole thing right now, but you know if they did decide to move a star player, cough cough, Chris Jones, and got picks, they could definitely get to a position where they could draft a truly good to great elite player in the top 15. Four tackle, four edge rush, or four wide receiver i I do think that this roster desperately needs something there. Travis Kelsey is getting older. I know he's had another great season, and i I am pleasantly surprised by Noah Gray this year, but I don't think you're you know turn handing the baton to Noah Gray as your next playmaker for this offense like there's there's a definitive but need there. The left' here's tack- the
0: issue. Here's the issue though. We don't need an elite left tackle. We need a guy who isn't a turnstile. And when you have Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. who are tied in the league for the most pressures allowed at the tackle position, floor. there is no more floor. There are players that will cost less and who are better, like Jack Conklin, who you can stick at right tackle and who will play well for half the price of what you might have to pay Orlando Brown Jr. Orlando Brown Jr. is not going to command a $30 million price tag this offseason. So well, you we did just you make another players. Pro Bowl, and I and I do think like well, okay. well, well yeah, so But did.
1: I'm just saying these are these are things that do matter in contract negotiations, and I do think that it is. I I don't disagree with the notion of like, hey, the Chiefs aren't going to be able because I do think realistically you can sit there and say they need two tackles, and I do think that you can do a lot worse than than Orlando Brown at left tackle. I'm not going to sit here and defend every single thing that he says or does as a player. But I think you can do a lot worse than Orlando Brown at left tackle. And if the Chiefs plan is to, hey, we're going to tag Orlando Brown again, or maybe we can get him on a cheaper deal after a down year and then, you know, get our Mitch Schwartz on the right side. I think I think that's a great offensive line. And also, like, Mahomes has been one of the more pressured quarterbacks in the NFL this year, and he's still taking some of the fewest sacks. Like, sacks are yeah. partially a quarterback stat. But nevertheless, the need still is there because – you know, I I don't think you want to go into the next year with the the exact same tackle situation. They definitely still need help in the secondary. Um, I think you know they could. Uh, you can never stop drafting corners. Uh, Legarius Sneed is do a new deal this year. He has one more year of control after this year. The Chiefs. Um, and yeah, there's there's probably three or four positions that could be drafted on the defensive line because they're not only are they thin at edge, they're also thin at defensive tackle as Colin Saunders and both Derek Naughty will walk this year. So I oh yeah. They're, they're there, there are just so many needs in key positions that the Chiefs will not be able to address them all this offseason. I think but, th- here's, I,
0: the, here's the thing I, I agree with you. I, I don't think they'll be able to hit every single one, but we don't need elite, top level, cream of the crop players at those positions. What we really need, really, is for our linebackers to play better or to get a better linebacker. We need one major addition on the defensive line. And then some secondary players. We don't know what Brian Cook is. We know Justin Reed is probably average. Okay. Trent McDuffie has been playing out of his mind. Sneed is doing a new deal. So th- those are a few pieces you're going to be able to retain. But I don't think that you need a J.C. Jackson type of investment on, on in the secondary or at the wide receiver position. Hell, if Juju walks, we'll, we'll just say McCall Hardman walks. Okay. And we retain Juju. What else do we need on this offense to make it elite? It is by far the best offense in the league without a number one wide receiver. And I'm not saying that we don't need – that That Travis Kelsey isn't playing a factor in that because obviously he is one of the best outside or inside weapons in the league right now. But we don't need – there. there are enough middling players that we can fill in the holes of this roster – and be much better than we were this year. Now, maybe not on offense because we're number one in every metric, but defensively you're talking about like a first round draft pick that we can add. We, so we'll just use Chris Jones as an, as an example. We won't trade him. We'll keep him. We spend our first round draft pick on an edge player and maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. We add another free agent pass rusher. I think that the defensive line is, miles ahead of what it has been this year i just think that there there are too many options and too many minor holes that can be filled and for this team to still have a super bowl ceiling without being like the eagles this year who went all out and got two extra edge rushers and and paid them a whole bunch of money and you know got james bradbury and already had darius like we, we don't need to be a perfect roster the holes we just can't have the floors of the some of the players on this team and I think that you you get four or five players I think you fix all that
1: I hear you but my skepticism goes a little bit further and just like reproducing what has happened this year and expecting it to happen again next year like you know it, it feels almost automatic that you can just plan on a fully healthy year from Travis Kelsey but that's that's not guaranteed right and I think we've seen the Chiefs be pretty vulnerable on offense because of the lack of playmakers. I think this offense desperately misses McCall Hardman right now. And that's, you know, that's not just a McCall Hardman thing. That's a Tyreek Hill and a McCall Hardman thing because they're both not here. Um, you know, I've I've been a big supporter of the Kadarius-Tony trade. I think it was a good move for the Chiefs. Low risk, high reward, a player that's got a really high ceiling. But Kadarius-Tony has not shown an aptitude as a wide receiver yet. He's not a guy that you can just stick out there on the edge and say, hey, go run around Like that's not quite what he is. He has always been, um, you know, cut from the cloth of McColl Hardman, Dexter McCluster, et cetera, where he is a a gadget player and you're hoping for the upside of, you know, what Tyree Kill became as far as a wide receiver development. He's got to take that next step. And that's not including his hamstrings, which may, you know, I don't know if what happened this year was just kind of a pop-up again. I, I just think. One thing you we need to keep in the back of our minds, and, and we do need to move on because I do want to talk about some other stuff with you, but I, I I think we just need to keep in our mind, we never want this offense to, like, one day for Patrick Mahomes to wake up and it be like what it was at the end of Brady in New England. And I understand that Andy Reid is part of that, but Andy Reid is also old. Um, You know, like, would it shock me if Andy Reid retired this year? No, I don't think it's call- going to happen. I'm not calling for it, but it would not shock me. That's part of the Matt Nagy, you know, plan that's all in place there. I think that Mahomes always should feel like there is an embarrassment of riches on the offense. Where would this team be right now without a seventh round running back in Isaiah Pacheco and a guy off the street in in Jarek McKinnon that a lot of teams gave up on? Like, you could argue right now that Jarek McKinnon might be a top three or four most important player on the Chiefs right now. And the chief, you know, I, I think that just we view the lens of the chiefs through the roster construction that it's always been and it's like oh we'll just have Mahomes go out there and make some plays and do some crazy shit and that's great but at some time that margin for error is just going to get too thin and i think that either the chiefs need the chiefs need to continue to try to be a dominant offensive team by continuing to get good players and we're not saying that they can't get good players right like kind of like what the chargers did with Quill Mack this year those trades will exist again, and if the Chiefs have the cap space, they could go and I, uh, you know, I'm just throwing this name out there, but like a DeAndre Hopkins or something like that. Like the Cardinals are done, done for a long time. That that franchise has no outlook. DeAndre Hopkins has a thirty million dollar cap hit next year that the 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 Cardinals could eat, and the Chiefs could get him for like a fifth or a fourth or something like that. Then you then then that start makes it that starts making a lot more sense, right? And that's the, you know, that's the flexibility that we talked about with the Tyree kill trade. Then you, then you're cutting down your holes down to, you know, can we draft a right tackle? There's been some pretty good tackles, especially right tackles that have been taken towards the tail end of the draft. Samuel Cozzi, Cosme, um, Darisaw plays left tackle, but he was taken in the late rounds. Um, you know, th- those guys well, do. The late
0: first round. You yeah. Yeah, the late
1: first rounds. Um, okay,
0: all right. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't remember any of those players being six or seventh round draft. Picks. No, no, no. Go, the, go those, ahead. Those
1: guys can be like taken in the late first. Um, and you know, okay, so now we've got a wide receiver, we've got a right tackle, we franchise ta- tag Orlando Brown, and now we're just trying to figure out if we're gonna extend Jones, extend Sneed, and you know, really bulk up on the back end. I, you know, you you mentioned the Eagles, and one thing that the Chiefs need to get better at doing is part of the reason why the Eagles are in such an advantageous position is that they keep turning over these picks right like they did that trade down or you know they did that pick swap with new orleans so new orleans had two first round picks that's how the eagles have another first round pick and like the top 10 next year which is going to be crazy because they're going to be able to go best player available with an absolutely fantastic roster now part of the reason why the eagles are where they are right now is because they have a second round quarterback who makes even less money like because you know patrick mahomes has a You know 10th overall pick was actually making some real money as a rookie not fantastic money but millions um you know jalen hurts is pennies as a player and he's giving them you know an mvp level performance um so i i think that there's a lot of questions here the chris jones element of this makes some sense right because like what is a way to do another tyree kill trade and and that's the way it looks but ultimately if what they're getting out of George Karloftis and Leo Chanel and Brian Cook is like what they're the final product, which we hope it's not, it will, it it's not going to be enough, right? Like they have to really hit on these picks, and I think that they've done a good job of not flopping those picks. Like I think all those players of even Sky Moore, who a lot of people are very pessimistic on, I think long term the outlook is better, and maybe you know he's not a name we've brought up maybe the chiefs just feel absolutely great about sky Moore going into the off season. And they think that Kadarius Tony's taking that next step. And then the, you know, if sky Moore transforms into some of the comps for him as a player, you know, Jeremy Macklin was a, a name that was kind of compared to if he's that level of player and he's a rookie and, you know, he takes a big step next year. And we're talking about sky Moore with 1100 yards and nine touchdowns. Hey, they're, they're going to come out of this looking great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just one more thing to, I, I, I don't know if you can compare this team to a team like the Eagles because so many things have, have gone their way um, in regards to the structure of their team. Like you said, second round quarterback, that never happens. I mean, Dak Prescott is another guy you could say, like a late round quarterback that ended up being above average. Like that, that's not a situation that a lot of teams are in. Not only that, but they're not paying their quarterback. Like I, I understand that the, draft pick equals lower salary but not even that is that they're not paying their quarterback 45 million this year or whatever we're paying the home 35 million Uh, um I think our teams are just in two completely different spots and we could I think we could turn over some picks and and do something like that just like the Dolphins did a few years ago and why they had so many picks to throw at Tyreek Hill and Chubb and all these other players that they've added the issue is though is that I, I don't think we're in a situation where we can afford to do that. We have to hit on the picks. And props to Brett Veach. There is one star he has drafted Creed Humphrey. I think that you could say Creed Humphrey is a star, although it's at maybe the least important position in the league. So, yeah. And I wrote a piece over do.
1: Arrowhead Pride talking about, um, you know, the counterpart to Brett Veach, uh, Chris Ballard, that's in Indianapolis. And I think you can kind of compare their tenures quite a bit right now. They've hit a lot of good home run picks on pick on positions that are low impact. Right. Yep. Like you got a, you know, a pro bowl, all pro level center left guard for uh Quentin Nelson running back. We're talking about, you know, defense interior defensive lineman, And yeah, like we, I, I definitely think Brett Veach just as a, as a GM, obviously he's not going to be in hot water. He has the ultimate roster Yoder and Patrick Mahomes and a great hall of fame level head coach that he's going to be safe, but I really think he could use that home run, you know, like that uh, an Amon Ross St. Brown, a, you know, Max Crosby, like I mentioned, someone who just comes out of nowhere. That's a low round pick. That's the best at their position. And, I, you know, every GM could use that, but I think that the way this roster is constructed and some of the mistakes that they've made in the past, cough, cough, Clyde, Edward, Delayer, I mean, like, you know, how much difference does this roster look right now with T Higgins on it? I mean, we yeah. you know, we 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 sit here and do this with McCall Armin and DK Metcalf or whatever. But that the the process there of taking that running back there and all the other players that were taken out ap- immediately after him who have been good players, we're not just name picking one name and going like, see, they could have had this guy in the you know, like don't sit there and complain to that the Chiefs took Joshua Williams and then look at Tariq Woolen and be like, Well, what the hell, man? Like they could have taken Tariq Woolen. Well, it's like, yeah, yeah, but also like every team could have taken Tariq Woolen for five rounds before the Seahawks did don't sit there and just like pick the one guy. The problem is, is with Clyde Edwards to And that pick is like pick 33, 34, 35, 36. You would have taken almost any of those players over what Clyde Edwards layer has given them. So, um, okay. Well, I think we, um, you know, I'm not necessarily sure what that was. That was just, you know, high level chiefs talk, but it was good to kind of just kind of talk about what the season is. Let me ask you this just overall, um short answer which is something we don't do well on this uh with these people me and you when we're together short answer what do you think how do you think that she season ends this
0: year well I think you're hoping for a Super Bowl obviously but um man there are just so many buzzsaw like you look at the Chargers right now and you know they've had a couple bad games they are I mean that that Dolphins Chargers game a few weeks ago was amazing like absolutely incredible like must-see TV You've got teams like the Bills who are getting starting to get hot at the right time. You've got teams like, why can't I think of their names? Uh, The Bengals who just kicked our ass in our own building. Um, I don't think that realistically you can sit here and say we should be the Super Bowl favorites coming out of the AFC. Now, I know that that seems far-fetched, especially given how well our offense has been playing and you know how well we've been playing as a team overall and the fact that we might not lose another game this season but there are just some teams that that have your your number that are just the the Bills we've kicked their butts every time we've played them except for during the regular season every time we've seen them in the playoffs I mean that's not a team you want to see in the playoffs you don't you don't want to go up against the Bills especially if you don't have the one seed we're a healthy team which I think bode's well for our future but i think that right now I don't think it's outlandish to say that the Bengals should probably be the favorites coming out of the AFC. And if we meet them in the playoffs, it would spell bad news for us.
1: I actually think like if there's a team, obviously that you, the, the Chiefs Super Bowl run. I mean, ultimately you're hoping for the one seed. The one seed matters more than anything because you don't have to play an extra game and that matters this year. You know, do I think that the Chiefs would struggle with the Jets and Arrowhead um, in the wild card round? No, but also, like, could I see a situation? Yeah, I almost saw a situation where they lost to the Houston Texans. There's some good players on that defense. Yada, yada, yada. Things happen. Um, that The chances of that being Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Yeah, that, that's really hard to beat Justin Herbert, the Chargers, that, that defense. There's a chance for Sean Slater and Joey Bosa are back by then. Um yeah I, I don't want to go and do that again right? so get the one seed there is huge um honestly I think I think the Chiefs season ends almost exactly the same way that it did last year. I think that they stack one or two good playoff wins, whether they get the you know if they get the one seed and they get two playoff wins, they're in the super Bowl um i i I just don't see a situation where the team is right now unless Mahomes gets just absolutely scorching hot. And maybe these turnovers, and that's something that I've written about, is that these turnovers start bouncing their way and they stop turning the ball over. Because if the Chiefs stop turning the ball over and start taking the ball away with how efficient their offense is, they're going to be unbeatable. So maybe that is the thing. And we're just going to all look back and be like, hey, remember, you know, that three pick game that the Chiefs had against Joe Burrow? Like that really cemented, you know, the Super Bowl run. But right now, whether it be the Bills in, in Arrowhead or the Bills in Buffalo or the Bengals in Arrowhead or in Cincinnati, or even maybe you know that you know the Bills and Bengals kind of take care of each other and the Chiefs are hosting a Salty Chargers game i just i don't know if i can take the chiefs to be Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or Tua or Trevor Lawrence or any combination of all three of those quarterbacks in the playoffs right now i just i just don't think i do i think they can get one or two of them yes but i just don't ultimately see them being able to string together enough of those
0: to go win the super bowl this year. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough schedule, no matter who we're going to end up playing. Like you said, we, we, we alluded to this earlier in the podcast. We play down to whoever we, whoever we're facing. If we face the jets, I, I might be scared. They've got some really good players that can come in and make an impact on both sides of the ball. Now, do you expect them to lose that game? No, but I didn't expect it to be a close game between the Broncos or the Texans or the Colts. I mean, there any, it seems like anything could happen with this team at this point. Sure, there, there are yeah. just so many things.
1: I wanted to uh give us our flowers. Um, you know, one of our favorite things on this is completely shifting gears here are way too hot NFL takes. Two of them hit this year, and both of them hit one of them hit for each one of us. And no, I, I
0: had two, I had two. Oh, I, I okay, I didn't I want I, my flowers. I, brought... I have two. Okay, what were your two that hit? I had the Vikings winning their division and possibly making a a playoff run. True statement. And I had the Broncos being the last in the AFC West, both of which as of right now are true.
1: Yeah, they are. I, you know, um, I, I think, you know, if you would have said like Russell Wilson was the worst quarterback in the NFL or close to it, that would have been like ultimate flowers. Cause I mean, right. There was a situation that the Broncos could have finished last and been like eight and eight or eight, nine or something. Um, you know, that's kind of how everyone predicted it. But yeah, I mean, you nailed the, you definitely nailed the Vikings. And that that was legitimately a hot take at the time. Like, it doesn't seem like it now. But, you know, a lot of people are still very down on Kirk Cousins. Kevin O'Connell was kind of just like the quiet fart in a room of loud farts for head coach hiring. Like, you know, no one really thought that that was something significant um, at the time. And, that defense had a lot of holes on it. They've gotten the pass rush fix, like Zedarius Smith has done a lot for them. They've got a healthy season of Daniil Hunter. And also, like, let's not pretend like defense is their calling card. They've just had a lot of great offense, a very resilient team. And yeah, like a lot of those, a lot of things had to kind of cooperate for them to win that division, right? Mainly the Packers, um, kind of coming back to the field a little bit. And then um, yeah. you know, what the Lions are doing is encouraging right now. And I, I don't think that the Vik the Vikings. I think they have a playoff. Did they win the division? I can't. I can't remember if they've actually clinched the division. I know I don't they think clinched, clinched the playoff it. spot.
0: So but... right now they're eleven and three. Mm-hmm. Right, the Lions are seven and seven, and they have been red hot these past couple of weeks. So again, there's your flowers as well. Yes. The, the Lions. Yeah, well,
1: mine's actually not clinched yet. Was that the Lions would make a playoff game and possibly even win a playoff game? And that was mine, and I'm definitely not the only person that had that take going into the season. But I mean, the Mm, roster, I,
0: I can't think of one off the top of my head.
1: I will say Eric Eager, um, PFF, you know, we've mentioned him before. He's no longer with PFF. He's with Sumer sports now, but, uh, he he has called out that quite often that, you know, he thought that the lions were a team, but the roster construction there, it continues to be smart. It continues to be good. Um, I think they're a team that's going to make a lot of splashes this off season, you know, going back to the Chris Jones conversation, Chris Jones would look really good next to Aiden Hutchinson and the lions do have two first round picks and um, one of them being a top 10 pick right now from the Rams. Um, So that would be interesting or their second round or their, or their others first round pick their own first round pick would be kind of like late twenties or early, you know, late twenties pick, combine that with like a third or a second or something more than what they got for. uh, Oh, the defensive tackle that's in Indianapolis that got flipped. He got, he got picked 13. yeah, Yeah. Buckner got 13. So. Very, very all speculative, but that, that's one that would make a lot of sense. So um but yeah, we, we we hit on those. Those are those are good picks, right? Like we those were those are big oh, call cards. Now, um I, I think like another I, I'll have to find mine. I believe one of mine was that the Saints won their division, which honestly, I was kind of right, kind of wrong. They definitely are not winning that division, but also that division is awful. So it was winnable for them. They just refused to take it, you know.
0: No, you don't know that yet. There there could absolutely be a scenario where the Saints do that. They're only one game back. Well, I guess it would be one and a half games back because they've lost the Bucks.
1: I'm looking at I'm looking at mine here. My other one was that Derek Carr was going to be an MVP candidate, which definitively did not happen. But I will say, (laughs) what what is the count? I think it's like they've gotten 30 total snaps of like Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, and Josh Jacobs all on the field at the same time.
0: Yeah. It's it's been not a great scenario for their Their offense this year, as far as injuries go, but I mean, we kind of knew that that was going to happen to Darren Waller, right? He's always out for something. But we did not expect Josh Jacobs to be a fantasy football god. Yeah, I mean, I I think I picked him up in the second or third round. What's so What's
1: so funny too is like they they made all those terrible decisions in the top of the first round, right? And then they like kind of cleansed themselves of the sins by cutting them or not exercising their fifth year option. And then they didn't exercise the fifth year option on Josh Jacobs, which actually ended up still being the wrong decision. Like they, they still <laughs> made the wrong decision because, like, you would love to have him for like, I don't know what the fifth year option is. This is probably like four or five million dollars. You'd you'd love to have him for that right now. And you, oh yeah, he's, he's yep. going to be a, a true free agent next year. So, um, but yeah, man, it, it was really good to come back on here and do this. You know, um, definitely thankful. Just one to be talking to you again. Um. And thankful for Arrowhead Live and all the opportunities that they gave me. And you know, you can find all my work at Arrowhead Pride. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard of it and seen our stuff. Um, usually write a piece of piece or two a week, and then the show I do is called Keys to the Kingdom, and that uh, comes out Saturday mornings. You know, some uh, you know late game keys to victory for the Chiefs. Uh, so be looking out for that, and obviously be looking out for all the great work that Christian and all the other guys do at Arrowhead Live.
0: See, once again, back to forum. You might as well just host this shit every week, man.
1: Look, man, I don't know how to tell you this, but I was always the kid in school that just like defaulted to the group project leader. Okay, naturally. I don't leader, buy right? that. I don't
0: buy that for oh, one second.
1: No, Oh, you don't know me, dude. Believe me. Like, I have to restrain myself from taking over group projects because that's just that's just me because I'm not going to trust other people's bullshit to get it done. I, I'm oh, I thought
0: you were saying my... that you would defer always to the, the group oh no leader. no
1: like i i defer to the leader like I, they're like all right everyone get together and start um you know getting together and start getting the projects and i'm like all right you're you this you no no you're not okay doing that please no yeah i i'm the person that has to restrain myself from just defaulting to become the leader i was gonna I say just, yeah that that makes a
0: whole lot more sense but yes dude. well it honestly great to hear from you again we always keep in touch over twitter or you know, uh, text messages, stuff like that. So it's awesome to see that you are flourishing in your new role at Arrowhead Pride. And again, I love reading your stuff. We kind of go back and forth a little bit, but again, awesome to have you on here, man.
1: Of course. Yeah. Thanks. And thanks for having me, man.
0: Yeah, no problem. And may- will we be back? Uh, maybe, hopefully this is a little Christmas present for you guys. So again, all goes well, I might kick this podcast back up uh, whenever I get a little bit more time on my hands. Right now, I'm currently getting ready to student teach, and I will be um, at a high school in Missouri somewhere uh, doing that. So I'm going to have a pretty full plate, but we'll see. We might do these periodically again. But anyway, thanks, Price, and we'll see you guys later.
1: See you, man.